Welcome to the podcast, The Dental Breakdown. My name is Christian White. I'm the CEO of White & Associates Practice Consulting. Better business, better dentistry. We are a practice management consulting firm for dentists and other healthcare-related businesses. Our sole purpose is to implement proven strategies through online and in-practice visits that result in personal and professional success for you and your team. We are in the business of making the difference between good and great. This podcast will help your team have a larger impact on your patients, create long-term lasting relationships with patients and with each other, increase the bottom line, and be happier during the the day. You can listen when you first wake up in the morning or just before you go to bed at night on the way to and from work or during your lunch break. Podcast was meant for you and your team's busy lifestyle. Each podcast will be between 10 and 15 minutes long and focus on the daily challenges, frustrations, and concerns you and your team face daily. Okay, Joe, here's a question that saving that I really want, I wanted to ask you this because it's really important. And you know, how as a dentist do I prepare my practice for a transition? What steps do I go through? I just can't say, hey, guess what? I'm going to sell my practice today, even though a lot of them do that. <laughs> so tell us about that. Well, the question I would kind of send back your way is how much time do you have? Because the more time you have, the more flexibility True. you have. You know, what I, the, the best way to have a smooth transition is to have a successful practice. And so, you know, working with consultants, you know, like yourself, working with your CPA, investing in technology throughout your whole career is really the the best way to prepare your practice. And what's great about that is that it's financial re- financially rewarding for the doctor and it you know creates you can have a good team it kind of works it uh, it's good for for that too. But in general what we would what I'd suggest is that um, at about five years is when you need to start thinking when your options to kind of prepare your practice, you, you really kind of hit forks in the road. Mm-hmm. When you are, when we are valuing a practice, we look at the most recent three years of the financials, the revenue overhead. And so at about five years out is when you can still do larger things in the practice that will still benefit you as a as an owner. Also, you can implement and then work three years and then we'll see that, that the impact of those changes. So for example, you know, bringing, buying a cone beam. If you, those are very expensive pieces of uh, equipment and it's not something where you want to buy a brand new cone beam a year before you're going to retire because you're never going to see the, that money out of that, uh, out of the transition. What I would recommend if you're going to make a big change is to make sure you do it at least five to seven years before you're going to retire. So you can really see the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're going to have the cone beam because you're going to start doing implant placement or you're going to do a, uh, going to have a, implement a new uh, service in your practice. We're going to see that growth and the benefit as um in the financial statements and in the practice. And so the real big changes, so for example, buying new equipment, making sure that you're fully digital. If you're gonna move your practice, then we wanna make sure that is at least probably three to five years, probably even more, five or more years out from a transition. When you get down into a shorter period of time, what I would recommend, you know, the best thing you can do is to keep producing. Keeping that revenue and the production on a steady basis so it doesn't start declining. And it's okay if, you know, if it is fairly flat. That's not necessarily bad. You know, we see that all the time. Mm -hmm. But we just don't want to have it start going down. And so keeping that production up is really key for kind of preparing the practice. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the other piece is to look at your lease. Your office lease is a huge oh, yeah. asset to your dental practice because that you have goodwill built up in that location, mm -hmm. and you want to make sure when your a new doctor is taking over that they can they have the ability to stay in that location for as long as they want. So what I my preference for doctors is to have shorter term leases with several options. So in an ideal world, we'd have a three year lease with three three year options. Um, usually landlords don't like to go that short, but even if we can do you know five years with several options, we'd like to have the the doctor um, we have to have, have the lease be able to go for at least eight to ten years beyond a closing. So. What I would recommend when you get down to about two years out from a, um, a transition is to look at that lease and see if you need to um, renegotiate that, get another couple options, and at least evaluate it. Mm -hmm. And then making sure that you have a good team also. Uh, so you're going to, as you're kind of three to five years out, you want to, uh, if you have little things you've been wanting to work on, then that's the time to do it. So you're not spending a lot of money, but you're developing a good team for someone to take over after you transition. And then when you get down to the last like six months to a year, you know, if I, my, what I would recommend, again, keep that production up and uh, make sure that your overhead is, that you're not kind of overspending or overbuying because you, you think that you want to put in the most latest equipment. Um, and then it, kind of an easy thing that you can do is work on the accounts receivable the last year, six months to a year. You know, having staff members or yourself collect that the that uh, the over 90 because sometimes we'll see the over 90 AR really creep up and creep up creep up if you can work on collecting that in the last year what's really nice about that is that a you know you're getting more money in the door which is good yes. B it kind of will juice your collections a little bit because it's money coming in the door that you might not have uh, been collecting in the past that might have just turned into bad debt mm -hmm. you can get that in the in the door and then and see when a younger doctor is looking at the accounts receivable report, it looks like you're running a you know, very efficient practice. Low, over 90, yes. um, at 30 to 60, 60 to 90 are usually you know, pretty low in mm -hmm. a large current. You know, at least a month to a month and a half of, of collections is kind of my benchmark mm -hmm. for a current AR. Um, okay, Joe. So here I am, a dentist. I'm thinking five years out, okay? I'm thinking about what I need to do. I'm thinking that my building needs to be touched up. I still have shag carpet in the office, <laughs> which we have seen. Yeah. You know, uh, things could be a little more inviting. You know, things are, is this something that I should invest some money in now? Is that something that as a dentist, as an owner, that I would do now? And will there be a benefit in five years to doing that? If it turns into additional patients, additional production, right. then it's worth it to spend some money if you're mm -hmm. at least five years out. One secret that you could kind of implement in your practice is that when is looking at your lease, because every time you renew a lease, it's an opportunity to negotiate for money from the landlord to build the space up. Correct. Um, so you can have, like I've had a client who negotiated a new lease and got $20,000 to put brand new carpet in the whole practice. And that's fantastic. That's fantastic. You could do new carpet and new paint. Maybe you're gonna, maybe you have those old charts that are behind the front desk that you wanna get rid of and kind of open the space up. You can use money from a landlord mm -hmm. if you're close to the end of a, uh, lease term, you can negotiate that uh, tenant improvement allowance to really grow that. But we don't, when you're like a, you know, a year out from a transition, you don't really want to spend a lot of money. 
you know, you want to focus on things that you can do part of the to the practice to increase and keep that revenue growth going and keep your production up and having a really good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, if you're a year out, I mean, a remodeling project no, doesn't make sense. It's not worth it. It's, it's just not, not worth, worth the money. It's not. The top three things that I can do as a dentist that I can add value to my practice in the next five years. The top three things are going to be making sure that your you know production is up. If you're going to be five years out investing in some marketing, um, okay. marketing works and uh, to bring patients in. You might not have been doing any marketing. That can be a low cost way to increase your patient flow and uh, and keep your production mm-hmm. up. The other piece is working on recall. You know, working. Okay. So your uh, your whole team is going to be effective, and your practice is running more efficiently. And you're treating you know patients. Patients are receiving better care because they're coming in and receiving exams, receiving cleanings, their profits. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that that recall is good, and, and you might already have it in place, but that's an easy way, kind of a low-cost mm-hmm. way to have a successful practice to grow it in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And then um, the three, I've already mentioned it, but I just want to reiterate that lease. Now, making yeah. sure that that lease is in place mm-hmm. and it, you know call and and I will routinely and I don't charge this, you know at this at all uh, we'll be brought in to talk to a doctor and about a transition in the next couple of years and I'll ask to see the lease I review it talk to them about ways that they could kind of talk to the landlord to maybe extend it or to get more money for a tenant improvement allowance it's interesting that you talk about uh, the uh, the recall piece because in a dental office that is probably one of the biggest hidden gems that most practices don't know that they have have. Mm-hmm. When you go into a practice and you look at the delinquent recall, I mean, there's easily a couple hundred people who are sitting there. Yep. And every one of those people, depending upon how delinquent they are, has dentistry to do. Yep. And it doesn't cost anything to bring them in, yep. in general. I mean, all you need to do is have, you know, create systems to have your team members bring them, you know, and just reach mm-hmm. out to them. Because they want to come in, but you know how life is. It's busy. You know, I got to pick my kids up and like, yes. you know, and, and uh, you know, take them to swimming practice and everything. But patients want to come in and they want to see their doctor, but inertia kind of gets them out of that habit. And maintain, getting that recall system down mm-hmm. is really, really important. It is. It's a huge deal. And if you can have that and have that going continuously for five years and when you get ready to sell, you know, you know this. I mean, right. The doctor exactly. coming in will be like, wow, holy smokes. And sometimes what we see, you know, when we're looking at a practice, when I represent buyers, you know, part yes. of it is looking at you know, hidden value in the practice. Yes. And so I look for, the, one of the things I do is look for the ratio between doctor production and mm-hmm. hygiene production. In general, you know, that's doctor production is about two thirds of a practice and hygiene production is about one third um, or 30%. Anytime it gets above that, that the hygiene production is above that 30% yes. ratio, that means that there's a lot of work for the doctor to do that isn't necessarily being, maybe it's being treatment planned, but the patients aren't doing that work. Mm-hmm. And then conversely, if, if it's low, if the doctor production is high, but the hygiene revenue is low, you know, all you know, what I see is that it's a, it's a recall system that can be improved upon. Mm-hmm. And it's like at instant revenue that's going to come in. It is. Um, okay, so real quick. So the top three mistakes that dentists make. Through a transition? Yes, when you're talking about a transition um, that, you, that you see. You know, one of the things is that for a selling doctor, someone who's going to retire, what I see is they get to the end of their career and they kind of take the, their foot off the gas a little bit. 
and it's so easy to do that. They do. Um, and what I really recommend is to, and it's hard because you know it's a work-life balance thing, and I totally get it. If you can keep that production up, that's really important. Mm-hmm. The uh, from the buyer's perspective. You know, we want to make sure that they are fully, you know, looking at the practice and and from uh, all the financials, looking at the production and collections and looking at ways that they can, you know, find that value. And uh, from, you know, maybe that there's a service that the selling doctor or retiring doctor is referring out, uh, you know, finding a practice where they can fit in. From the buyer, from a younger doctor perspective, you know, part of it's also delay. You know, every month that that younger doctor is an associate or is working at a corporate practice is a month that they're losing out on profits related to hygiene and the profits that are going to the owner doctor. Mm -hmm. And I see younger doctors who want to find that perfect practice, the perfect location with six chairs and um, 2,500 patients and million dollars in revenue. And, and they wait years to find that practice. And, and I think they'd be much better off finding a practice that's a good location for them in general. So like, you know, they want to live in Woodbury, finding a practice in that general location, and then, and then finding something that will work where you have a connection with the selling doctor. One of the things that we really try to do is make sure that the selling doctor and the buying doctor develop a personality connection. Smart. Um, and then when, if, if the buying doctor can get that, they're going to know that the practice is going to be, they might have some things that they want to improve on, but they can find a good practice that they're going to take over and then grow it and turn it in, you know, maybe move it to a space that has six chairs, do marketing to bring in the patient base to grow it to a million dollars in revenue. It's a lot easier to improve a practice than it is to find that, you know, that unicorn out there that that (laughs) might not be there. Very true. And uh, the last piece, what I see that can become problematic, and both the buying doctor and the selling doctor, is big changes to the practice right before or right after the closing. Yes. I've had some uh, a buying doctor who comes in and they want to just change everything about the practice when uh, the staff, you know, aren't they might not be ready for them. Their team might not be ready for those right. changes. Right. And all that does is create conflict. So from the for a younger doctor, when they take a practice over, what I recommend is that they wait at least six months. And, and, uh, and that, to me, is a, you know, six to nine months is when they've seen one cycle of recall. And they've hopefully seen a majority of the patients, and they've, they've met face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And so if you make a change and a you know, staff member leaves, that you're not going to start hemorrhaging patients. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it also happens on the, the retiring doctor, the selling doctor side. If they do a, make a big change to the practice thinking it's going to grow and uh, think it's going to improve the practice, but they don't have enough time to see those, those changes um, and, and see how it's going to benefit the practice, then all they're doing is creating upheaval where without any benefit. Uh, last, one last mistake, that I because I, I see this and I want to make sure I mention okay. it, is that retiring doctors not giving themselves enough time. They might have health issues going on. Um, that, that they're just trying to get through that next year. Mm-hmm. But we really need, you need to have time on your side to make a smooth transition. And, uh, and if there isn't enough time to either find someone to take over the practice or to make it as smooth as possible, then it just creates a difficult situation for everyone. Stress on the retiring doctor, stress on the newer doctor, 
um, that is really unnecessary if you just kind of think through, you know, work with your financial planner, work with your accountant, work with your consultant to figure out when you in general want to be done and then give yourself three years to get there. Nice. That's really true. Um, a lot of those doctors, the, the time thing, that, that's not something they really think about. Well, and it's hard. You know, it's retirement. It is. It, it, it's, I totally get why, they, why oh, it happens. Oh, I do too. Um, um, it's, you've built this practice up. You put all of your energy and efforts for 30 years into this stuff, and you yes. don't want to let it go. No, you don't. You know, it's really understandable. But if you can rely on your advisors to help you fi- identify a timeline, um, you're going to be so much better off. Wonderful. All right. Well, it looks like our time is winding down. Joe, thank you for spending some time with us today. The information you shared today will have a huge impact on how they, on their business and on their practices going forward. Thank you very much for being here. You're today. welcome. To all of our listeners, uh, you'd like to learn more, please go to whitedentalconsulting.com slash breakdown or call us at 952-432-3322. Thank you for listening.